Thank you, Jesus. Well, who's ready for the preaching of the word? Yeah. Now, every time um, when a fifth Sunday comes around, we here at Valley Church always have a special treat for you. And that is we always have three amazing and powerful people come up here and give a word. So we're going to keep to that. So today we have some three amazing men of God that are going to come up here and going to be speaking to you. So who's ready for the preaching of the word? Yeah. This first gentleman that we're going to bring to the stage is so powerful and anointed. Him and his wife, they help teach us, uh, help teach in our middle school class. They serve here around the church. But I love when he, when you walk into the building and you're greeted by this, by this amazing man of God, he's always got the biggest smile on his face and he's ready to start laughing with you. And he's ready to start just like he hug you. I mean, it's like, and he gives one of those big bear hugs, you know what I mean? And, and it's so cool to just be able to serve with this amazing man of God. So would you help me welcome to the stage, Drew Brodeen, as he brings the first word this morning. Thank you, brother. Good morning. Good morning, good morning. Let me get myself all settled up here. How we doing? Praise God. I'm happy to hear that. There's some joyful people, despite, as uh, Tim was saying, the dreary weather. So uh, I've been feeling that myself. So I want to talk to you guys this morning uh, about gratitude. Um, I had the opportunity last week, if you were here, if you got here early enough, for me to start out our service just kind of letting the Lord let loose, I'll say. Um, so I want to start out and uh, just kind of reflect on what I was sharing yesterday or last week um, and then get into the word, okay? So we're going to have some fun this morning, all right? Um, so, so last week, if you were here, um, I was reflecting on an event that happened uh, that week. So it was the Friday. So about two weeks ago now. Friday night, if you can picture that with me. Um, I, I'm married and I have two young kids. I have a, a three-year-old daughter and I have a one-year-old son. And so my wife was here, praise God, at the women's event having a ball. And I was at home with our two kids just trying to wrestle and keep things moving. So um, praise God for fathers. Um, so I'm... Uh, I'm home with our kids, and my, my three-year-old daughter, her favorite sign of affection to her brother is the headlock right now. Um, so we're battling back and forth with that and uh, feed them. You know, I'm trying to get them ready for bed, so we're in bath time. And my son, for the first time, he poops in the bathtub. So I, I'm not going to get into the details and gross anybody out, but we'll just say it was a crappy situation. Um, so got to get the dad joke in there. But uh, anyways, I, I just, I finally put the kids to bed, and I was reflecting, um, mainly with myself, but with the Lord some too, and just kind of complaining, complaining. I was exhausted. I, I was going through the house, cleaning up all the toys and the house that was now destroyed because of the kids. And you know how the Lord just can move in an instance. He can change things. He especially can change us. And he took me from this place of frustration to this place of gratitude within an instant. Um, I, I was talking to him and complaining, and he started to give me just this better perspective of like the gratitude I have just to be a father in general. But the way that he blessed me financially to be able to provide for my kids to have these toys, and the food that I was now cleaning up off these plates was something that he's given me, and the laundry I now get to fold. We have so many clothes, like, wow, I, I remember that now <laughs> because of him. But just it was thing after thing after thing after thing. 
that I was going through these chores that normally I would be frustrated to have to do, and now I get to do them with joy, and it's because of the transformation of the Lord in our lives, right? And so I want to uh, get into the Word this morning um, and give you a scripture from Jesus himself, uh, just talking about gratitude, talking about gratitude. And so it's found in Matthew 15, uh, Matthew 15, uh, verse 32 is where we're going to be starting this morning. But uh, before, before I share that with you, I want to give you some context to it, okay? Because uh, the story we're going to be reading from is Jesus feeding the 4,000. I'm not, I'm not messing that up. It's actually 4,000 people, okay? So it's the chapter before, Matthew 14, where we see Jesus feeding the 5,000. And to give even more context, 5,000 is just literally counting the men. So you got women, you got children, we're talking... 15, 20,000, I don't know how many people there, but it's a pretty incredible thing. And then later on in that chapter, we see Jesus walk on water out to the disciples on a boat. One of the disciples walks to him, right? Then leading into this chapter in the beginning, Jesus is doing some teaching, and just leading up to this in the verses prior, he has a crowd with him, and uh, he, all these people are listening to his teachings more, and he goes about healing multitudes. The lame are healed, the sick are healed, the deaf are healed, the blind see. All this stuff happens leading into verse 32. So I want to give you some context as we get into it, okay? And, and just so you guys know, what I like doing is I'm going to read, we're going to read verses 32 to 37, okay? Um, so don't get ahead of me though, right? Um, but I want to just break down verse by verse because I feel like I, I get it, when I get a word from the Lord, uh, you know, leading into preaching this type of a sermon. I am spending time. I'm figuring out what the Lord wants to say, what type of scripture he's leading me to. And then I just kind of just read it over. And it seems like every time, you can be reading the word yourself. You can read the same scripture over and over each day. It's like this new revelation. It's like we're just digging a little bit deeper into what the Lord has. And we're just finding more gems, more nuggets in there. So, so starting in verse 32. This is Jesus now talking to his disciples. He says, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. Can you imagine seeking out the Lord three days, eating nothing because you're just so hungry for him? Wow. He says, I do not want them, I want to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. And here's what's interesting, is the disciples' response. He says, where could we get enough bread in the remote place to feed such a crowd? I, I wanted to uh, get into this sermon, or this passage specifically, because he literally just did it the chapter before, and it was more people. <laughs> How quickly we can forget the Lord's goodness sometimes, Right? And so when we focus, and with the disciples, they focus on their circumstances, and they forget who they're with. They forget the multiplier. They forget the one who does miracles, who just healed, and are now focused on the lacking. And I love Jesus' response. So this is verse 34 now. How many loaves do you have? He takes their, their poverty mindset of what we're missing, and he flips the switch. Just as he did to me on that Friday. He takes the way we're thinking, the negative perspective we might have, 
And he says, look to what I've given you. Look to what you have. Because in the hands of God, whatever you have, even the little, can be multiplied. So the morning, this morning he's saying, even if you feel like, man, I have no faith. I just have a little bit of faith. He's like, that's enough. That's enough. If you're like, man, my marriage is just hanging on by a thread. The Lord's like, that's enough for me to work with. If you're feeling like, man, I just, I just don't know if I trust you. Uh, I, I'm having all these relational issues. I'm having, you know, self-talk issues. I'm feeling with self-harm. All these type of things. The Lord's like, if you just have a little bit to give me, I can work with that this morning. And so um, he, he asked them, what do you have? What do you have? They say seven. And I love that number represented in the scripture. Seven's the number of completion, if you know, seven days in the Bible. The Lord's like seven. Little things like that just get to me. Give me the, the jitter sometimes when the Lord's like, that's enough. That's all you need. Seven's enough. So they replied, seven and a, a few fish. And uh, <laughs> he told the crowd to sit down on the ground, which I feel like in modern times is like, uh, please silence your cell phones, take your seats, uh, get your popcorn ready, because the show is about to begin. So, uh, so Jesus is like, something good is about to happen here, guys. Get ready, get your eyes on this. And so Jesus says he took the seven loaves and the fish, and when he had given thanks, he broke them, gave them to the disciples, and they in turn to the people. They all ate, and they were satisfied. Afterwards, the disciples had picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. So seven loaves turned to seven basketfuls after, we'll say, 12,000 people ate. In the hands of God, and especially when we give thanks, man, the Lord can do some mighty things. But he's saying, I, I think one of the big things he's saying this morning is if you just put it in my hands, put it in my hands, see what I can do with it, right? So Jesus, he, he's talking to us this morning about our ability to notice the things that we have. Give thanks for the things that he's given us. Um, it's interesting, you know, thinking about the disciples I'm, I've been reflecting this week just on their story and, and their focus on the problems that they're facing, right? They, they're not focused on the problem solver, that's for sure. But, but what was interesting, God started making me think about this journey that they've been on. You know, they've been from town to town with Jesus at this point. And there wasn't a space where God provided housing. There wasn't a space that God provided meals wasn't a space that God had provided opportunities for ministry. You know, all these different things that God had already done for them, and yet here they are worried about how they're going to handle this situation. So I find myself, you know, connecting with that. I was dealing with COVID a few weeks ago, and, you know, anytime you get sick especially, but me just being a whiner about it, and I'm like loathing to the Lord, like, Help me, Jesus, you know, is this the end, you know? Those type of conversations with him. I'm such an extrovert, so not being around people was killing me. Um, so I was probably complaining a little bit more, but, you know, we can find ourselves so quickly in these instances of, of poverty, of concern, of focus on the, the circumstance that we're facing. 
that we forget the Lord's past faithfulness. And so I feel like this morning the Lord's saying, the easiest way to gratitude is to remember your last miracle. So if you forget your last miracle, that's the easiest way to not be <laughs> gracious and grati- uh, have gratitude, right? So if you want to be a grateful people, if you want to have gratitude in your heart, especially in the winter months, especially in the winter months, I think that that creeps in so easily for us. We have to be able to focus on the faithfulness of God. And, and when I say the, the miracles, I want to I wanna touch on that real quick. I was looking that up on Webster's Dictionary. Um, it says, an extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. Some big words there. But uh, if we just break that down, divine intervention in human affairs. Something so subtle can, can be seen as miraculous, right? And so I wanted to, uh, second scripture I really quick wanted to touch on. It's James 1.17. James 1, 1, 17. It says, every good, every, every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. So if I can start to see all good things are from God, so if that's heavenly intervention on the earth, in my earthly affairs, then all good things can be seen as miraculous. And if all good things are from God, come on, <laughs> then we have a lot to be grateful for. We got a lot to be grateful for, church. And so I was thinking, you know, leading into this morning of the things that just I've been so grateful for. We have a, we have a car sitting out in the parking lot. Um, we got a minivan, hashtag dad life, come on. Um, and so uh, we, we got to drive that thing here. We got to take that to church. We live in Cuna, so that would have been a good distance. We got to take roads to get here, come on. We have an amazing church we get to gather in each Sunday to worship the Lord, right? We have a children's ministry. All the parents said, praise God, amen. <laughs> I have space to be able to worship the Lord, on my own. Man, we live in an incredible country. Man, we are so grateful for that. We have religious freedoms here. I I work for an organization uh, based in India, and they have to keep their churches pretty much below 50 in some regions because if they attract too much attention, there's these radical groups that will literally come harm pastors, burn down churches, all this kind of stuff. We deal with that. So we don't have to worry about persecution, any of that kind of stuff. We get to just freely worship our God in this place. And then I start thinking about the clothes on my back. I think about the fact that I don't even have to be concerned about the, fa- the meal I'm about to go have. I'm about to go watch some football with my family after this. Whew. Um, I just got to say, I'm really hoping the Bengals win. Um, come on, underdogs. But uh, anyways, man, there's just so much we have to be grateful for. And I'm going to close here. Um, but I felt like but I felt like God was saying this, this last statement as we close. Just because it's common doesn't mean it's not miraculous. Right? Just because it's common doesn't mean it's not miraculous. So don't let what has been usual to you slip away from what is the goodness of God in your life. Amen?
So anyways, I'll, uh, I'll close there. I just, I just feel like, you know, we have to fight. We have to fight to have the spirit of gratitude because that's where the Lord settles within us. And, uh, man, don't catch yourself focused on what you're lacking when the Lord says you have seven loaves this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Man, wasn't that just refreshing? Like, just to be reminded, like, we just need to have some gratitude. Man, God is so good. He, man, good word, Drew. Yes, good word, good word. Um, this next amazing man of God is so cool. I love just that when I get on the phone with him, it is so cool. Because you just know it's about to be a good conversation. And um, he sits on our board here at the church. His family, um, his wife serves as one of our teachers in our, in our uh, Christian Academy here at, at, here at VCA. Let's get that right. Here at VCA, Valley Christian Academy. So I'm just so excited for what this amazing man of God is going to bring next. So would you help me welcome to the stage Mr. Paul Redman. Wearing a members-only jacket with a rainbow scarf. Don't know if you noticed. I, I thought I would. I thought I would do this to make two distinct points. Um, the first, uh, I'm skinny and I get cold easy. The second, I would argue more importantly, is that you can have bad fashion sense, and the Lord can still use you to reach the lost. When I'm getting ready to do something like this, you know, I'm trying to organize my thoughts. I have a really, really hard time doing that. And so, you know, I'll just, just start typing stuff up, put this in there, put that in there. Oh, yeah, that might be funny. Um, two o'clock this morning, I look at all my notes, and I think, oh, my. It's going to be as long as a Pastor Lynn sermon. <laughs> so I'm, I'm looking through everything. I'm like, what is my point? What am I trying to say? What, like, what do I really want to leave people with? And the best way to reach people with God's love is by being yourself. Be exactly who God made you to be. And you don't need to be smarter. You don't need to try to emulate somebody else. Just be you. Um, Linda, can, can we put up Ephesians 2.10, please? No, that's okay. I got it right here. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm in my 30s. I can read this without bifocals. There it is on the big screen. <laughs> I'm turning 40 tomorrow. <laughs> this stands out to me. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, this stands out. Um, Paul specifies we are his workmanship, his handiwork. We're handmade. We're not mass-produced. He could have left that part out. He could have said we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works. But 
he did throw that in there. There's an, almost an emphasis on how God made each of us how he wanted us to be. And I think there's a lot to that. And just even, it's a simple thought, but I think there's a lot to it. Um, the good works that he has us to do are reaching the lost, setting people free, letting them know the love of Jesus. And there are a lot of people out there who can only be reached by you, by any one of us. And I, I, this morning I'm reminded of uh, in 2007, this is a story about how God can use anybody and, and will. Um, in 2007, I, uh, I called a chimney sweeper. His name was Joel. Now, I was an atheist back then, and Joel shows up to my house. And Joel is a weird guy. I, um, I'll say this. I didn't perceive him to be the intellectual type, which is important because I did consider myself to be the intellectual type. And so Joel shows up, and he's a super nice guy. He cleans the chimney. That was pretty uneventful. And he comes over to me. I'm standing in the kitchen getting my checkbook ready. And he comes over to me, and he says, Are you a Christian? I, I should also mention... Joel did not understand personal space. Like, there was one bubble, and we were both in it. And I'm a little surprised, but, you know, because I was essentially looking down on him, essentially judging him, kind of looking, you know, I'm smarter than he. Oh, cute, cute, cute. Emma. Well, I didn't put up my walls. I didn't put up my defenses. He says, are you a Christian? <laughs> Whoa. No, but thanks for asking. You know, I said, uh, my family are Christians, and I've still got some friends who believe in God. It's like, well, are you married? He just, he's just prying at this point. I said, well, yes. And he has kind of a thoughtful look on his face. He says, are you going to have kids? Well, I, you know, I mean, yeah, probably. Are you crazy, man? He, I, I think, like, spit was on my face. I think we were touching. I'm still not offended. I'm more amused than anything. I'm trying to figure out what is happening here. And Joel, I, I gotta, I'm not cold anymore. Just a second. This is not part of the act. Just got hot all of a sudden. So Joel screams in my face, are you crazy, man? I'm like, what is going on here? And he just gets all worked up. He says, don't you get it? Your parents raised you going to church, so you had a direct view of the light. And I'm standing here in the kitchen. There's a long, dark hallway over there. Joel bolts out of the kitchen, runs down here. He says, but your children will have a much fainter view of the light. He runs back. He's out of breath. He's, he's like, <sighs> he's like, don't you get it? You think you're just a good person because you choose to be. Guys, my guard wasn't up. I couldn't argue with that. 
that hit me right there. I thought about, I didn't get emotional. It wasn't one of those types of situations. It, I told him, I said, you know what, Joel? I can't argue with that. That, that's possible. You can't go back and test it. I can't go back and be raised not in church and see if I choose to be a good person again. And that was pretty much all that happened. But Joel, oh, he says, uh, that'll be 35 bucks. Oh, he, he gets out, and I'm just kind of watching the guy go away. I'm just really sort of confused by it all. But I knew, I'm like, well, he gets in his little truck, and drives off, and I knew I'd never forget that guy. I think the thing that stood out is, you know, while he was talking to me, I was just observing. This guy really cares about me. Like, this guy is very sincere. Yes, I, you know, had my thoughts of he probably went to church camp and somebody told him about Jesus. Yes, I had those thoughts at the same time. But I could tell that he was very genuine in how much he cared about me. And so I, I, I called it for what it was. This is a sincere person. Wow. And wow, he just dropped an argument on me that I can't argue with. I don't know if Joel tells everybody he meets about Jesus or if God just put it on his heart to tell me that day. I don't know. I do know that what the enemy chooses for evil in this situation, me judging somebody, me thinking I was above somebody, the Lord used that for good. And because I didn't have my guard up, the Lord was able to use Joel, who was, and back to my main point, who was being Joel to plant a seed that would later help bring me to the realization that there's a God in heaven who loves me. And now I have that to enjoy about life every day. And my kids know that and their kids and just go on and on because somebody wasn't trying to be somebody else. What if Joel showed up and he says, oh, okay, so here's some Christian apologetics, which are great, by the way, but that wouldn't have been Joel. I'd have been like, homie, out. But instead, he spat in my face and slobbered and touched me and ran up and down my hallway and spoke right to my heart. I was like, whoa, and then he was gone. He wasn't real long-winded like I am. That's how we're going to make disciples of the nations. It's not nearly as overwhelming as we make it out to be. You know, I, I think we think that there are all these rules. We've got to say the right thing. We've got to act a certain way. We've got to look a certain way. We've got to try harder. We've got to do more. We've got to do better. Jesus is watching. And there's music. Boom. Under pressure. There doesn't have to be pressure. Are you kidding me? Walk in the light. Walk in Jesus. Walk in who he made you to be. Um, Linda, can we put that next verse up there, please? What does Jesus tell us? He says, come to me, all who are weary and and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, 
for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest in your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I have news for you. This scripture is consistent with Ephesians 2.10. God made us a certain way. He's got very important work for us to do. And all throughout that, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Well, there doesn't have to be a bunch of pressure when you start to see how God has made you. You can be yourself. You can go through the world. You can be Joel to somebody. I actually looked him up on the internet last night. I was like, I forgot he's a real person. He's not like this like amazing like guy that I remembered and started. He's still cleaning chimneys. I'm going to go give that guy a hug. Um, I guess I'll end on, I mean, that, that's, that's the thought. We're his workmanship. We're not mass-produced. He invested greatly in each one of us to make us how he wanted us to be. He has prepared works for us to do, for us to walk in, rather. And he will complete those works through us when we walk in him in full understanding that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. So be yourselves, everybody. Be yourself and just, just really, really, oh my goodness, ask the Lord. Lord, who did you make me to be? Lord, show me more. Lord, help me be the best version of me. Pray. Ask him about that. Okay, well, that's it, you guys. Um, maybe I just want to j- just say like a two-second prayer. Um, Father, anybody who is struggling with trying to be somebody else or thinking they're not good enough, Lord, give them peace in that area of their, their heart, their soul. Lord, bless these people, God. Help us to be ourselves. Help us to be who you made us to be and do your good works. In Jesus' name, amen. Good work, Paul. Good work. Good job. Yeah, make sure you say happy birthday to him. Tomorrow is his birthday, so blow up his phone. Um, and maybe he'll sing to you happy birthday because he's got an amazing voice. Um, and he, and he, he's so, man, that was, that was um, awesome. This morning I was thinking about that exact verse. I got to tell you because we started singing in our house a song that talks about breaking the heavy oak and he brings joy, joy, joy. And we started saying he, break, he breaks the heavy oak and he brings, and I was making Emily like come up with new words. So we were singing joy, 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 love, 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 peace, peace, peace. And we were just talking about that. That's so cool. Oh, man, God is so good, isn't he? Man, it's so, so awesome as uh, we bring up this last speaker uh, for today, and he's going to close us out here. Um, You know him, and we all love him. And one of the things I love so much about Benji is that he comes with the Father's heart. And when he speaks, he's speaking from a Father's heart, because he's connected to the Father's heart. And when he teaches, if you've been in VSSM, you know that he teaches from the Father's heart. And it's so, it's so awesome because I know I could text him or call him, really, kind of any time. Um, but I know that because he's so connected to the Father, he'll just, I'll just be like, Benji, I need prayer right now. Man, I'm struggling with something. Something's going on. Can you just pray for me? Benji, I just want to. And, and like, you get the text message right back or the phone call back, I'm praying for you. I mean, he would send you some encouraging words. I mean, he is 
such an amazing man of God, and it's such an honor to bring him to the stage as he closes out um, this morning's service. But would you help me welcome Benjamin Snell as he comes to preach the word of God. Give me just a second here. So Paul, literally, the first verse in my notes is Ephesians 2.10. Right here at the top of the page of all of this stuff. So Paul is talking about all, the, all his notes and everything that he's gotten written down. I, I get, I stall out, and I end up, I'll, I'll start, and I'll get my, my verse that I want to work with, and then I start praying about that, and then I get something else, and I'll put a different verse down, and then by the time I'm done, I've gone in a circle. Uh, there really are 360 degrees, and I've hit every one of them. Um, so yeah, I appreciate every time I come up here, and it doesn't matter who I'm working with on the, on the, the, the three speaker Sundays, I'm always set up. God always sets me up. And, and here's, here's where it comes from. We're talking about being, you know, having the gratitude and, and being yourself. And that's great. And that's exactly what we need to be and where we need to be. But then you're going to ask, okay, well, Pastor Benji, what about this? I don't want to be myself because there's this part of me that I don't like and nobody needs to see. Well, what about that? Well, what about this? What about that? But I struggle with this. But I have this issue. But I drink. But I smoke. But I do drugs. But I watch pornography. But I, but I, but I, but I. And then I would ask you, this. Who are you? I want everybody to think about that for just a second. If I ask you the question, who are you? And you go to respond, what are the first two words going to come out of your mouth? I am. You can't even talk bad about yourself without saying God's name first. I don't think you understood that. You can't even talk bad about yourself without saying the name of God first. Okay, Pastor Benji, where, well, hold on. I realize you're a Sunday school teacher and, and everybody might know what you're talking about. Some might not. Okay. Moses is standing in front of the burning bush, which first off, burning bush in the middle of the desert, just burning and not consuming. He's standing there. And he's talking to God and he's disqualifying himself but I am not a good teacher, but I am not a good speaker, but I'm wanted for murder in Egypt, but I am, you know, he's going on and on about how he is not qualified to do the job that he was just called to do. He's finally convinced to go, and he says, but Lord, who shall I say sent me? God's answer is, I am. Tell them, I am sent me. So you can't even talk bad about yourself without first saying the, word, the, the name of God. 
because he is the one who made you. And he made you to do good works. That is the point. That's what Ephesians 2.10 is talking about. You are his masterpiece, and he made you to do good works. Well, how do I deal with all of those things? How do I get the nasty air out of this cup? How do I get this stuff out of me? I've tried. I've hooked myself up to a vacuum. I've tried to suck all the air out of this cup. And guess what? As soon as I remove the vacuum, it fills back up. I can't get the air out of this cup. I can't do it. You're right, you can't. Because in order to get the air out of that cup, you've got to fill it with something else. So when you start drinking in and filling yourself with the Word of God, when you start drinking in and filling yourself with His Spirit, you become who you are made to be. You are made to be a vessel for God. You're made to worship Him. You are made to share that good news to others. But we can't do that if we're so full of ourselves, there's no room for God. And I don't understand how we can be full of ourselves. And I'm not talking down to you. I'm not saying, oh, you're terrible and, and I've got it all figured out. I don't understand. And I get excited about this because I get in my own head. And I get upset at myself of, but I, but I am, but I am, but I am. I am, he said. I am. Drew, last week you were talking about the names of God. That's the most important one. Because I am encompasses all of those other things. Because he's really not, it's not Jehovah the provider. It's Jehovah the provision. He's not the healer, he's the health. So how do we get to that point? Well, everybody's kind of touched on it already this morning. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And Paul, that's, that's where Joel was coming from. He feared God. And that gave him wisdom. Wisdom that didn't make sense to somebody who feels like, oh, I'm an intellectual and I've got this down and I... I understand these things. The fear of God was the beginning of wisdom. He feared God. But the rest of that verse, and people tend to leave it out, is the knowledge of the Holy Spirit is understanding. So when you fear God, that's the beginning of wisdom. But then when you get to know the Holy Spirit and are filled, then you understand. And when you understand, you can share. Now, if I had a pan up here, I would keep pouring because it doesn't stop. It's not an infilling and then that's the end. It's an infilling and then you give it to somebody and you make a mess. And you fill somebody else. And then you go back and you ask for more and you get refilled. And you don't have to stop asking for more. You can keep getting refilled time and time and time and time again because there. is a never a lack 
There's never a lack in God. Like Pastor Tim was saying earlier, he owns, a, 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 what did you say, a million, a million mountains and a thousand camels on each. That's a thousand million camels. That's a lot of camels. I've only ever seen one in my life. That's a thousand million. I don't know how I can handle a thousand million camels. But he never runs out. That's the point. He never runs out. He breaks the loaves and the fishes and he gives them out and he never runs out. He broke seven loaves and he gives them out and then they collect seven baskets of scraps after everybody's full. He never runs out. And don't feel bad because you, you forget about that because we all do. The disciples were sitting there with him and how many times did he come back to them and say, how long must I be with you? You're not getting it. I'm not talking about that. Don't worry about your food. Don't worry about what you're wearing. Don't worry about where you're going to sleep. Don't worry about that. Focus your, your eyes on me. Seek first my kingdom and all of my righteousness and all of these other things will be given to you. You don't have to worry about where the next meal is coming from. But furthermore, don't worry about the last one. Part of getting filled and in, in, in getting those things out, is we, we have to have that realization that he already took care of the sin problem. It's already done. Every month, I pay my mortgage. Every month, mortgage company gets their money. So I'm standing here about to have to pay my mortgage again next week. Should I be worried about last month's? It's paid. It's paid. It's done. There's a zero balance on that. If I look at the statement, they say, hey, you paid this, and I try to pay a little bit extra. So then they say, and there's curtailment. We sit here and we think about our sin and we worry about that debt. And we think, well, I'm, I'm not qualified because of this debt that I have to God and this debt that I have to humanity and this debt that I have to my wife, this debt that I have to my husband or my children or my brother or my sister. And this is why Jesus says, hey, when you realize you have those debts, go and, and take care of them right away. But he says, I already took care of it. All you've got to do is recognize that that transaction has already happened. When you start feeling that way, if, if we're sitting at, at uh, if we're sitting at Carl's Jr., I'm going to say Carl's Jr. because they, I don't know if they do this anymore because I haven't been there in a while, but they used to, you go up to the counter, you get it, they give you a ticket, right? And then you go and sit down and then they bring you your food. If you're sitting there in the, the young man or the young woman brings you your food and says, hey, you need to pay for this. What do you do? Oh, no, I already did. I have the receipt right here. It's paid for. We have that receipt. We have that receipt. It's paid for. Young people, it's paid for. It's done. 
So for you to come back to Jesus and beg for forgiveness for a sin that he's already covered, he's looking at you going, what are you talking about? It's paid for. Here's the receipt. It's done. That's why he said, it is finished. It's paid for. The account has been settled. You're at a zero balance. I've already taken care of it. Christy Lynn, can we have the worship team come back? Can we do Abba again? The heart of the Father is that you can do no wrong. I might have to spank you every once in a while, but it's not because I don't love you. It's because I do love you. If I don't correct you, that means I don't love you. But the correction is for remembrance that it's paid for. You don't have to act like that because that's not you. Be the you I made you to be. This is paid for. Fill yourself with me. Don't get drunk on wine and heavy drink. And I think implied in that is everything else and any other drug, any other addiction. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. He's given us everything, literally everything. He poured out every drop of His blood to pay your debt. And even if it was just you, he still would have done it. I, I love this lyric. It says, the beauty of grace is that it makes life not fair. Because your life isn't fair. The fact that you can take that breath, the fact that you have the things that you have, it's not fair. And I'm not saying it's not fair to those around you. It's not fair to Him. Because He took every bit of punishment that we were supposed to have, paid that debt in full, so that we can live the lives that we have now. So that we can be the people that He said we are. The only one you should ever look to for your identity is Christ Himself. And it's absolutely illegal to look back at your past unless you're looking through His blood. Because it's been paid in full. You are His. He put the ring on your finger. He put the robe on your back. He puts His arms around you and He says, You are my son, my daughter. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. 
And it's hard for me to say that, especially standing here with my son right in front of my face. And I want him to know, you're my son. Don't forget it. I don't care what anybody else says about you. I don't care what they try to do. You're mine. I'm, I'm a pretty peaceable guy. Pretty easy to get along with. But I'll tell you one thing. You mess with my kids. You'll see a side of me you don't ever want to see. Because they're mine. And if I, as an evil person, can be like that about my kids, how much more does Papa, how much more is Abba? No weapon formed against us shall prosper because we are His. I know we're a little light on the prayer team, but if the prayer team can come up, one last thing. I've got to give you, I've got to give you something to do, right? I can't just leave you hanging on a Sunday morning without something to do the rest of the week. One more song lyric. And this has been speaking to me for the past couple of weeks. Get up. Get off your seat. Move your feet. And just do what he said. It's all in your head. Now's the time to go where you're led. Just do what he said. So I challenge everybody, just as an act of obedience right now to Abba. Everybody get up. Get off your feet. Get off your seat. Move your feet. And commit to do what he said. And if he's telling you right now, come down and talk to one of these people, and I'm going to come down here in just a second too and get prayer, and you, you, you want help in understanding what you've heard today, then do it. If he's telling you to go out and to talk about him to your friends and your family, do it. If he's telling you to be a great example in your workplace, then do it. But whatever he's saying, do it. Just do what he said. If you want to know his will, seek his wisdom. He gives it to you. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you for going before us, for paving the way, for setting the example, for helping us to know and understand who we are because we are yours. And you've come to live inside of us. I am. I am that I am. I am yours. God, I'm yours. Thank you. Did everybody just say that? I am yours. I am yours. Praise Jesus. Thank you, Lord.